Welcome to the Defiant Business Podcast. A business podcast produced by Defy the Status Quo for forward-thinking businesses and savvy professionals looking to defy the status quo of mediocre customer experiences, barely surviving businesses, and haphazard business development. We'll explore best marketing and sales practices, improving business processes, attracting your ideal clients or customers, striking your perfect work-life balance, business basics, intentional inclusion in business, and so much more. Thank you for joining me today. Let's do this. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the third episode of the Defy a Business podcast with Dr. Gail Hayes. I'm your host, Ruthie Bowles. And today, I, I love today's topic because I feel like what we're going to talk about today has been talked about a lot behind closed doors. And I think one of the biggest obstacles that we've had is speaking, articulating our thoughts and feelings in a way where we feel heard by the people we want to hear us. And so that is something that Dr. Gail and I are going to talk about today. Dr. Gail, welcome. Thank you so much again for this third episode. Ruthie, thank you for having me as your guest. It's my honor to be here. Thank you. So I wanted to ask you because you you put out such great content, this content that causes people to ask you questions publicly and ask you questions privately. And I was curious whether or not you had received any common questions or common sentiments expressed from people you've spoken to about the societal shift that, that we're experiencing right now. Yes. One, one question that came up for me was, and I, I think we had discussed this, was you know, I just recently did a series called Five Things You Should Not Say to a Black Person. And there's a lot of discussion around those things because usually those are not things that black people say to white people. We say it among ourselves. Mm-hmm. We don't say it to white people. Right. Well, so I put it out there on these videos. So, and it's just, it's just a list of five things, five common things that I have heard over the years. And when I talk to black people, they say, yes, yes, I can't believe you said this. Well, one of the, one, what happened was there was a group, there's a group on um, Facebook, I believe, where they asked me, could they, they put those in the group for discussion? I said, absolutely. And one of the responses, or, which included a question was, you know, you've had all this talk on five things or these things that black, I mean, white people should not say to black people. Well, what about like, for instance, the word dope, the word, you know, like, like they say, Beyonce's new song is dope. Well, I think that's a negative word. I mean, this is what the the person is saying to me. And I can't believe that somebody would have that as a part of their rhetoric to say, use a word that's negative to talk about something positive and say, don't you think that you should also consider doing something that says things that black people should not say to white people without an explanation? And I took a deep breath and I said, well, that is a word that has been in our community for quite some time. They used it when I was a teenager. I mean, the first time I heard it was like in the 60s, I think. Dope. And it meant good. And we used to take a lot of things that were bad things and make them good things. People do what they want to do, a new spin on it. And I said, so what you're dealing with right now is post-slavery culture that we've had to create. Because we're people composed, we're people composed of many nations. We're not just when you say African, Africa is a continent that is composed of many nations. So we have the descendants of enslaved Africans, which means we're mixed race. And we have white blood because so you're, I told the woman, I said this to a lady, your great, 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 great grandfather raped my great, 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 great grandmother. And so here we are. And I said, so we're mixed. 
I said, but we have created our own culture, post-slavery culture, which, in, which also includes a languaging that is unique to our community. I said, and I don't believe that we need the approval of white people in order to have that languaging. So we created that for us to talk about. And I said, but now I will be honest with you and tell you that it's really not just cultural, it's generational because ask your grandchildren. They'll know what dope is. <laughs> yes. You know, I've had people say things like, and I, I when, when she said, don't you think you should say there's some things that black people shouldn't say to white people without explaining? I said, we've been watching what we're saying with you for decades, centuries. Uh, no, I don't think we need to talk to you or get your approval for words that we use. That's some of the words we use I don't even like, but it's a personal thing. But I will tell you what, I will defend it. If you know, I did, look, I might not like everything Beyonce does or Lizzo, but I will defend them because they can they have the right to express themselves the way they see fit. Black women have had to break free of the bonds of our society, that thing people have put stuff on us. And you know what? If those queens are breaking free, I'm with them. I might not agree with everything they say and do, but I defend their right. I will stand in front of them as a mother in our community and say, hold up before you come over here. Remember, you got to deal with all of us. Anyway, that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but that's that's really important. And it's like you said, as as Americans, right, looking at it from that perspective or or any country where where freedom is an important pillar of the the nationality we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable in the presence of different opinions. Right. If you express an opinion and look around and everybody agrees with you, you're just in an echo chamber at that point. Absolutely. And I think that ties back to the previous episode where when we talk about co-laboring something, I don't have to agree with everything that you say to still know, like, and trust you if we're able to communicate in an effective way. And that effective way doesn't involve screaming and calling people names and, and all this other right. stuff. Even if we can, as long as I can understand your perspective, I, I can understand a perspective without necessarily agreeing with it. And I could even a lot for- Or embracing it as yours. Embracing it as yours. Exactly. Right. And so, so that's, that's really good. We have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable with differing perspectives in order to have real conversations. And one thing that that woman said, I mean, it, I applaud her for having the, you know, being yeah. willing to put herself out there and even ask you because now she got an explanation. I'm thinking that that's not her first time at the rodeo. Maybe not. I think she's asked those type of questions before, but nobody was brave enough, bold enough, and bad enough to speak it to her in a languaging that she could understand. Right, and that's that's what she needed, which is why she kept yeah, asking. Because people just got offended and probably went off. And I said to her, we don't have to, we don't owe you an explanation, but this is what I'm going to say to you so you'll have an understanding. So that when you come into our community, you come into our place, we say what we want, when we want, how we want to say it. And there are those of us who might not agree with all of that, but we embrace it because it's ours. We embrace it because I will stand in front of these young people and say, hold up, back up. I might not agree with it, but I believe I, I am like Voltaire. I'm paraphrasing Voltaire. He said, I might not agree with what you're saying, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. And so I, I feel like everything that we do Everything that we do, and we're talking about co-laboring, we're talking about defending others, agreement is about relationship. Yes. And so my whole thing is about relating to others and having a relationship, good, bad, or indifferent. I'd rather not have bad relationships, but you know, one of the things about people who 
who who mean you harm. When you step to them in a di- different kind of way, they, they, they don't mess with you the same way. You let them know, well, if I hear something, I'm coming. They're going like, oh my God, <laughs> I can't believe. Girl, I'll say, you know, if I hear this, I would go, I've confronted people when I've heard they've said something to me about me. And I said, look, I heard such and such and so. And they blink. And I'm talking about, it that goes across race. Blink, black women, I'm confronting black. Well, I don't know who told you that. I said, wait a minute, can you come over here for a minute? And I bring that other woman right there. And I'll say, okay, well, you know, you said it was such, I said, so they don't like that. I said, so I'm the, I'm the undercover girl. I pull the covers off of you. I said, because this is the stuff that keeps us from moving forward. And one of the things that I've noticed is this. I had this dream one time where Ruthie, where I had this beautiful house and all the walls were made out of windows, except for a few spaces. Um, and at night, somebody came in and washed the windows and painted the walls. And they, 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 they left the floor open because they need to put carpet down the next day. Well, what, what happened was because they wanted the paint to dry, they left the door open. And during the night, some dogs came in and defecated all over the floor. Well, the next morning, instead of cleaning it up, somebody laid carpet on top of that. So it was a magnificently beautiful room. And this is the way I, I say about society. You go into this place, it looks beautiful, but it stinks. So what do you have to do in order to clean that room and make sure it, it looks, it smells like it looks? You have to get on your knees. You have to humble yourself. And you got to pull that carpet up together and clean that floor, then relay the carpet. Then we all can get in the room and have a party. That's the way I look at life is that, oh, I need to write that down. I need, <laughs> but you know, but really, it's re- this is really what's going on now is that the floor was left open, dogs defecated, and the carpet was laid. And there's some people who are who are constantly smelling their wrists because they're wearing perfume because they don't want to clean it up. They don't want to deal with the smell, the stench, but the stench is there. And so now it's getting worse and worse and worse because it's seeped through the carpet. And now people are saying, well, who's going to clean this up? Well, honey, we're all in the room. We got to get down here together and get this up. That's what we're dealing with right now. And you talk about co-laboring. In order to co-labor with me, you got we got to clean up the mess. It doesn't matter who made the mess. What matters is we're in this room together. We need this room. It's a beautiful room. We want the room to smell like it looks. Let's get rid of the stench together. That's really what we're dealing with. Yes. Smell like it looks. So I'm curious, you know, whether it's in your work or or just kind of some of your more personal discussions, but how are we seeing this societal shift play itself out in our like workspaces and our businesses? What have you noticed that, you know, heralds, you know, the shift that is kind of emblematic of the shift? Well, people, I, how do I say this? I see the ivory tower towers crumbling. Does that make sense? It does. There are people who live who have lived in ivory towers, been very comfortable, and all of a sudden, the bottom line of the business, bottom line, the businesses is shifting. Their uh, their their spreadsheets are not the what they once were. Their employees, frontline employees, are starting to speak up. They're having to to. They're no longer untouchables. They're going to have to be touchable in order for this thing to work. You've got to value every member of your team in a very different way. Here's a case in point. I was, um, sorry, who was I talking to? I don't know. It was one of my interviews. Uh, she asked me, is there something that you believe that the C-suite can do or senior management can do to get their employees to become more in touch with their employees? I said, absolutely. Here's one thing. I'm a mom. I mean, my, my children are young adults now. 
But one of the things I homeschool them in, in middle school and high school. But just say, for instance, you have young children and you're still working for a company and you're working from home. What has happened? A lot of times you have to do what? Homeschool. And I said, what's, I said, I believe that the C-suite and senior management needs to be more sensitive to that. Here's something that they can do, something very small, but something very big. They can have a place where they drive by and get school supplies and they give those to their team members who have small children. You stop by and then allow them the space and time to have breakfast with their children. I said, give them 30 extra minutes or 30 minutes off the clock. It's a setup time and breakfast time with their babies. I said, and then for lunch, give them an extra 30 minutes again, because they got to have lunch and then they got to get the babies back on track. I said, you've got to understand that those babies are there and those are your future workers, your future team members, your future customers. They're your future. And you must invest in them and their moms and their dads in order for you to invest in that family. Now we have to really do family in a very different way. And this woman said, oh my God, that's amazing. I said, yeah, I thought about it. I said, that's something that they can do with the flick of a pen, the flick of a, a keyboard, give them an extra hour. I said, they'll get more out of their employees, their team members, because they said, oh my God, they care about us. You know, people want, there are four basic human needs. Need to feel important, appreciated, welcome, and safe. And I said, you want to make them feel important? Acknowledge what they're, what they're going through. You want them to be appreciated? Give them something to let you know you appreciate them. You want them to feel welcome? Let them know personally that you made this decision to help them. You want them to feel safe? Get in their family and love on them and give them something tangible. They can talk about and say, this is what our CEO did. Come out of your ivory towers. The towers are crumbling. Anyway. Oh, am I still on the air? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, that's, that's a very, very good point. It was just the other day. I think yesterday I commented on somebody's post on LinkedIn or something. And I, they had shared that, you know, the way that people are, that companies are having their employees go back to work. I, my husband and I have definitely felt very fortunate just that, you know, way ahead of coronavirus, COVID-19 and everything, I decided I didn't want to, I wanted to be self-employed. I wanted to have my own business. And that has really been amazing for us because if I was still employed and I had a great job, I, I had very fulfilling work. But if I was still employed right now because of the way that he, that we would have had to have gone back to yeah. work, one of us would have had to have quit. And that person would have been me because even though I had a great salary, his salary was better. <laughs> you know, he didn't have time right. off for taking, ba you know, making babies and stuff, <laughs> but his salary was better than mine. So I would have had to have quit probably this month because of the way that he had to go back to work. Sure. And we have two of our four kids who have to be here for virtual school. Yeah. You know, and and where we worked, you know, with the government, like you can't bring your kids to the office or, or any of those other more flexible options. But I, I would have had to have quit and and even not having to have to quit. It's still pretty difficult when my husband's been here this whole time to help me take care of the kids while I'm still working from home. Sure. So it's definitely Definitely something to consider. It feels like those types of decisions are made within an ivory tower. And, and as, as the, the parent, right, I'm, I'm his wife. I'm kind of looking at his company right now, like, 
y'all weren't better prepared. Well, and you know, <laughs> let me just say this too. Usually when you get to senior management in the C-suite, your children are older. So it doesn't impact you. Yes. You've forgotten how it is to have young children. And besides that, most of them who are, most of them are male. Let's just talk about it from a mostly standpoint. They're mostly men and they didn't stay home anyway. They had, they made good salaries. Their wives stayed home. So nothing changed for them. They're still making their money. Their wives are still at home. And just think about it. If they were young frontline employees, they would have to lose an income. Yep. And I think when you get to be a senior level, you're making the six figures um, and you're living out there with the country club and stuff, you you can be pretty insensitive to that. And so now what's going to have to happen is you're going to have to be sensitive to that because it impacts your bottom line. You have to create a completely new culture. You got to have a new culture in your a corporate culture. And it's not one that's always just going to benefit you if you're in your ivory tower. That is a fact. And I think that is a perfect way to end this episode as well. Just the ivory towers need to come down. And we, the the people at the top, the C-suite level executives need to do the work to be more in touch with all of their employees, not just the ones that are closest to them in, you know, levels of the company. Let me tell you what I call that, the Rapunzel syndrome. You know why? Because sometimes they're in the ivory towers and they want to come out, but they're not sure, sure how. How, you know, you go to the tower and say, Rapunzel, let down your hair. And they're like, whoa, let's do it. I mean, so many of them want to be connected, but they don't know if it's appropriate to be connected. But now the times have changed and the leadership lens must change. So therefore they can let down their hair and come out of the tower. I call that the Rapunzel syndrome. Anyway. <laughs> Well, I mean, for sure, companies at a minimum can bring you up to the ivory tower if they need a dose of reality. Look, I would love to work with companies to shift the corporate culture because culture is not just it's not just racial. It's class as well. It's class as well. And everything that we do is about languaging. Everything we do, changing the languaging and changing the interaction. It's all about relationship and languaging. And so I would love, I would, that's some of the work that I love. Like I said, okay, wait a minute, right there. How can we, how can we improve on the sensitivity for that? You'll have employees that will never leave you. Let's not call them employees. Let's call them team members who will never leave you because you really want to promote loyalty, but you've got to be the one first because you got all the goods. (laughs) Right. You have the resources and you know, we're going to get into a bit more about languaging in our next episode So I highly encourage you to listen in next episode. Tomorrow's episode will be our last one with Dr. Gail. And in the spirit of that, you know, Fridays, I always save those episodes for more futuristic and trend types of discussions. And we are going to get in that and it's going to be nitty gritty and real just the way I like my conversations with Dr. Gail. So Dr. Gail, thank you so much. Thank you, Ruthie. Okay, we'll see you next episode. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Defiant Business Podcast. Please make sure that you've subscribed and do be sure to leave us a review if you found this episode at all helpful. And if you think it would be a great resource for someone else, be sure to share it with them. See you next time.